Welcome, Black Equity listeners, to another great episode. I know we really enjoyed the previous episode. If you haven't had a chance to listen to part one of this two-part series, go back and listen to part one where we spoke with Aquania from The Purpose of Money, where we started having this bigger conversation about where is your money flowing and why is it flowing there? What is the purpose of money? And so... Since money does have a purpose, let's look at part two. Let's get into Jay-Z. Let's get into Free Meek. Let's get into all the things that are happening within the culture so we can understand, hey, what is this purpose of money? And does money have a purpose? So without further ado, welcome to Black Equity. Make sure you sign up to be a Black Equity Insider. And while you're listening to this episode, head over to PurposeOfMoney.com so you can really soak up game. I agree. Um, When I'm thinking about mentors, uh, a lot of what our podcast does is we study um, the business moves of people who have been successful in different areas. And one of the business moves that we've been looking at this past week or so is this Jay-Z situation. (laughs) Jay-Z is is, um, deciding to partner with the NFL Mm-hmm. And I'm wanting to get another take because the only take I've really paid attention to is my own. And so, okay. so are you okay? So what's yours? Tell me what's your take. My take is I think it's a brilliant business move. Mm-hmm. I think I think this allows our culture to have somebody in the room to sit there and listen to what is going on and if they aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, them being the NFL, we can then uh, say, hey, we're going to back out of this partnership because you're not holding up your end of the bargain. You said that you are going to, um, you know, take care of uh, certain things on the uh, being in justice and you're going to have the proper things in place for your halftime show, but you're not following through on that. So we're pulling out of the deal. I feel Mm -hmm. like, I feel like it positions us Uh, to have some type of say of what's Mm -hmm. going on on one of the biggest platforms in the world. Mm -hmm. I agree. I completely agree. You cannot make change if you're not inside the organization. Now you, I mean, you can, we've seen people through civil rights movement and beyond Mm -hmm. make change from the outside. So they could be inside, but now Mm -hmm. that we're able to be inside be there, be there, have a voice, make them listen to you. I think it's an excellent business move on his part because he's going to be in the room and he's made it very clear what decisions he's going to take part in. So now he will influence the culture that is shared at Super Bowls and with other cultures. And the NFL is huge. It's not just an American organization in sport. There are countries that watch American football and the impact that it has on our culture. And now he has put himself in a position to really have a hand on how we impact people through music, through justice, through influence, through power. And I think he's going to have a huge impact on future artists and how successful they can be. You know, putting them in a spotlight where they have an opportunity to be bigger than they ever imagined. So I, and I'm never to knock someone like, I'm sure he did his research. He would never have invested in this opportunity if he didn't think it would bear fruit. So just support him. 
And if you have criticism, share it and see if he's willing to listen to you. But I honestly think he thought this through. It it just it it baffles me that we are now in this cancel culture, and maybe we've always been, but we just didn't have social media to prove mm-hmm. it. It, it I, I find social media to almost be a huge case study of of uh, consumer behavior, of mm-hmm. human behavior, mm-hmm. and how quick people turn on on someone when they make decisions that uh that differ from them yeah and I also- or even that benefit them like mm. think about it at the end of the day he is a man leaving a legacy for his own family gotcha him and his wife are doing what they feel is important mm-hmm. to leave a legacy for their family and if that also happens to impact the black community and influence others as well why not Mm. why put somebody down for that when we are all meant to be bigger than what we think we can be and I feel like if this is his path and again he's looked into this don't knock him for doing it because we all have to find our own way and he's just building more wealth for his own family but allowing this opportunity to be one he can utilize to help others too that's how i see it and i would never knock someone as long as it's legal right from from doing activities that's going to boost your impact and legacy you know like i feel like everyone has something they could be doing to contribute to that process and that purpose that's what i'm pushing build legacies exactly He's, he's doing it and he's and this is not his first historic move this year. I mean, look at him being what first billionaire, you know, um, rap artist. I'm like, he is making milestones that other people will strive for. So you're making everyone better as a whole. And you have to look at everything from the totality. If you look yes. at, you know, they built the Reform Alliance, where okay, we're going to partner with all these different affluent people to reform the justice system. So that's mm-hmm. already in place. Yes. And you put a documentary out about Free Meek. You put out oh one, my God. Um, I forget the, the guy's name. There was another one. Brown. Uh, Brown. Yeah. The, 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 the young man who, unfortunately, he took his life but spent some time in Rikers yes, over a book bag. One. Absolutely. And so yes. I, I apologize for not remembering. And so when you look at all the different things that he's doing, and then this happens, and then you say, well, we're going to question your your character. We're going to question your integrity when the last five years have been uh, the foundation <laughs> being built. So then he could mm-hmm. stand on top of this. Right. And, it's, and it's, be the expert they want to rely on and they want to have in the room. Exactly. You've done everything mm-hmm. you could to position yourself to do this. And then you get questioned uh for uh, your business moves. And that's something that I think you and I and other people that are listening, mm-hmm. we just have to be very strong in our stance when we know where, where, where our true intentions are. Right. And I don't think he did, just so to clarify your point, because I sure. do agree with you, I don't think the steps that he moved prior to this one were just to be able to qualify for this opportunity. I think I he genuinely wanted to contribute to social action and the injustice of the prison system and get the stories told that are going to change people's mind. I saw Free Meek and I was just like, wow, this mm-hmm. is a story that is 
it's so similar to so many other black males, brown males. And unfortunately, those men are not in a position to fight as much as Meek Mill was. And he was in a position where he had money, he had a job, Mm -hmm. he had a career, and he still had someone of his own color color. holding him down. And And a you know, a black female judge, which is 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 monumental in itself to be able to become a woman of color in a position of opportunity where you are changing people's lives and you are still impacting one man's life in a way that is affecting his livelihood Mm. over minor incidents after he has proven he wants to be a positive influence in society. And so can you imagine the individuals who are in similar situations being told they um, have violated their parole over similar minor incidences mm-hmm. and they can't get out from under the system? Mm-hmm. It's, it's destroying our people. It's destroying our cultures. It's taking our fathers away from our children and it's not necessary. And so, but how many people could say they knew that story before following the Meek Mill news and press that was brought up when he was arrested for riding a bike and popping willies Mm -hmm. to now you have a documentary that sort of puts it all together and tells a story that people can understand. Now, I do think you need to watch the documentaries and understand the stories and still look at other perspectives if the information is there. But for the most part, this is real. And this is not one man's story. Right. And that's so wake up. That's the beautiful part about a lot of uh, the things that I watch is I'm never looking at it as, oh, this is about Meek Mill. I mean, I know it's centered around him, but it's a it's a mm-hmm. bigger topic. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing that I walked away from the Meek Mill conversation is she asked, at least this is what is alleged, the, the judge mm-hmm. asked for a remix or some type <laughs> of some type of song to be done in mm-hmm. order to, you know, lessen his sentence or to lessen, mm-hmm. you know, the charges. And it's like, what, what kind of a wart reality are we in that we're using our power and influence mm-hmm. on uh, things that are minute to the situation at hand? Or not even like in your lane. Mm. You don't make music. You're not a producer. You can't tell me what people are going to like. Mm-hmm. You just like this one song and you want to remake. Right. No, no, ma'am. No. Now, to pivot <laughs> off of that, did you get a chance to see When They See Us? Yes. What do you think? It made me cry several times. Okay. Full disclosure. Um, because I have two sons. And Mm. as much as I try as a mother to protect my children, there are some things that they will be being kids and they will still be impacted. And you can't shield them. You can't prevent. You can't protect. And I feel like the story of Central Park Five is one that breaks my heart because even the strongest mother was still not able to save her son. Mm. And I feel helpless. I feel like, one, how do I prepare my sons for a world that will first see their skin and judge them by it and try to control or dictate how they treat them by it? But then if they are put into a 
that situation, how do I prepare them to handle the situation but not risk their lives in the process of trying to defend themselves? Gotcha, yeah. And that is a conversation that keeps coming up. And I have a husband, and my husband and I struggle with this every day. Let me ask this. Do you think... Do you think if I mean we're, we're speculating here, but mm-hmm. do you think if there were there these families had more money, or their economic situation was was better in some way, do you think mm-hmm. that improves or would have stopped if the Central Park Five or the Exonerated Five? Do you think that would have even uh, helped out any? Absolutely. Mm. Do I think they would have even gone down this path as deep as they went um, if they had came to, from the beginning with money, with with the right representation? Because, you know, one of them had a lawyer, but he even he wasn't a defense criminal attorney. Right. You know, it's just like even when we try our best, we're not necessarily able. I think money is a huge factor that distinguishes why some people get probation and other people get Uh, jail time or prison time and I think that a lot of families don't are just not in a position and it really doesn't even start with the money side on the lawyer but even bail Mm -hmm. like the difference between being able to be on bail while you're preparing for your case and the mental situation that puts you in because you are able to be in your regular environment and not under the stress of being in the system versus someone who is literally going through their entire trial process from behind a jail, except for when they go to court. You are not mentally in the same place Mm -hmm. to go through those situations. And those are probably the most trying situations you're experiencing at that time in your life. And they were kids. Yeah. So I think money was a huge factor um, besides their color. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we have to take in consideration the time period and the circumstances of the investigation and the pressure to solve cases um, of this graphic nature. Right. Um, And they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. And when you mentioned bail money to me, and I know that's something that um, has been a a huge focus uh, to pivot back to Mm -hmm. Jay-Z. A lot of the people that are in the system are just sitting there waiting for, you know, five thousand dollars of bail. I hate to say five thousand like it's nothing, but you know, it's not as much as you would think it would be. You know, it's, right. it's these smaller amounts that people are sitting around waiting for that their family just doesn't have mm-hmm. the money to afford, and so they're they're waiting uh, to be bailed out, and they can't be bailed right. out. And I remember seeing that on that other previous documentary, and it's like, wait, mm-hmm. it's like, that th- yeah. this game is is rigged. <laughs> It's rigged from the beginning. To the money. (laughs) It's rigged from the beginning, yeah. And most people of color who are impacted Mm -hmm. do not have an emergency fund. Mm. Most Americans, not even just impacted by the system, but most Americans do not have $500 saved for an emergency. So they get in a car accident. They have an unexpected medical bill. They lose their job. They are immediately off track for their finances and then how do you recover from that so now you may have had a decent job trying to maintain your family you're make you're barely making ends meet or you're making ends meet you could also be underemployed you have a job but you're not making enough 
And now you have a family member who gets arrested and needs bail. You don't have it. And you're not the only one in that situation. A lot of you are in that situation. So even when you're like, borrow it from somebody, borrow it from who? Right. So it is a problem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 5000 is a lot for some people. But that's why I help my clients is if they don't have an emergency fund, we focus on that first. Gotcha. And if, and if they don't know where it's going to come from, I find the money. Because I promise you, if you cut out a couple of lattes and eating out lunch, you can get to the 500 and then from the 500, you need to go to 1,000. And then from 1,000, you need three to six months of your monthly expenses, whatever that is for you. And for some people in a higher income area, that could be 25, 30, or $50,000, depending on what they spend a month. But for other people, maybe it's 15. But they just don't know what they should be striving for. Mm-hmm. So they're not saving in general. Well, I sit down, I look at the finances, I find the money, and we commit to saving it every single paycheck. Mm. Because when you have money coming in, you need to set some of it aside for your future because you don't know what's going to happen. And that's why it's so important to have discipline. Exactly. You know, on one side of things, we're looking at the emergency fund and uh, building up... um, Uh, the emergency fund, and then also your life insurance, and then maybe investing Mm -hmm. in businesses. So we've Mm -hmm. kind of looked at things from the start. But what about on the other side, when it's towards the end, and we look at a situation like John Singleton, and Mm. we're trying to understand, well, what what happens with with your estate, if something, God forbid, happens to you? Did you get a chance to look at the the article from Black Enterprise that came out recently? Yes, yes. It saddens me that so many people of color with wealth who have made it, Aretha Franklin, you got John Singleton, he had a will, but it was outdated and only mentioned his oldest daughter. And he had five other kids after her. Mm. Um, Prince, this is, this is devastating. This is monumental amounts of money that you haven't planned for. And I don't know what anybody told you, but I know that I'm not living forever on this earth. Right. So I'm prepared, right? And I don't have nearly as much money yet as Prince and John Singleton, right? right? So why in the world would you not put together a simple will directing how you want your money to go and protecting your assets is beyond me? Because when you work so hard to build something while you're alive, you should not want the court system to decide how it's dispersed when you're gone. And that's why it's not just about a will. It's also about a medical directive. You should also be thinking about um, how do you want your assets divided? Uh, when do you want them? Like I have two young children, but if we were to pass now, I would never want them to get everything at this current stage. So my husband and I have set up a will where at 25, you get something at 20, you get enough to cover college and any education expenses. And then at 35, you get the rest. So you have time to grow into adulthood, but then also into your finances. Mm. And it's, it's not super expensive. You can do it. LegalZoom, for example, will help you create a simple will. But if you have a complicated situation where you have, like in my case, real estate, business, and you know your assets you've accumulated with your spouse, we hired an attorney. We, and we don't hire any attorney. You go to an estate 
attorney and they help you do your estate planning, but they helped us really lay out how do we want things to be split. Um, and the, the last reason why this is important is because in some states, the, the way they divide assets may not be the way you want them divided, or they charge your family probate expenses when you don't leave a will or instructions. And then your family has to literally pay money to get your assets. Mm. And that's not fair either. Right. So, you know, for example, if you have a $200,000 house, and you don't leave a will and any or any type of trust, the house and a trust, so it's protected from the probate process. You die. Your state law says probate costs are 10 percent of the estate. Mm-hmm. So say you don't own anything else but this house. Ten percent of two hundred thousand dollars is twenty thousand mm. dollars. So your family has to now decide, are we going to round up twenty thousand dollars to cover the fees and expenses? and spend time in court to inherit this house? And if the answer is no, because we don't have $20,000, you know what the next option is? To sell the house. Wow. You have to sell the house and still pay fees to settle the estate. Mm -hmm. What a loss. What a loss. And And you worked probably 20, 30 years to buy that house, right? Of your income earning years. You paid it off. And your family can't inherit it without fees and taxes because you didn't want to meet with someone to do planning. Mm. And it makes you wonder. A, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. What, what does it make you wonder? It, it, it makes you wonder, well, why, why isn't this taught in, like, elementary school or at least high school? <laughs> <laughs> like, why, why wouldn't this be one of the first things you learn about life is how to mm-hmm. protect yourself? Are you loving Black Equity Podcast? Great. Head over to Black Equity Net at Instagram and check out our link that's in the bio. I want you to see the other recommended podcasts that we would love for you to listen to. That includes Pillow Top Podcast, Robin E93, Real Love 916, Hella Smart Mothers Podcast, and Better Than You Podcast. And when you get an opportunity, also make sure you read Becoming an Everyday Millionaire that was written by our guest today, Aquania, from The Purpose of Money. Now, let's get back to the show. Right. Well, I think the answer to that is simple. Okay. One, people don't like to talk about death. Mm. They rather believe that they will be here forever or they can do it later. So they always assume like, I'm young, I have time, you know, and then life happens, accidents, injuries, murder, you just don't know what's going to happen. So life happens and all of a sudden you find yourself looking up like, wait, I didn't plan for this or you're gone. And now there's no one to yell at because you're gone and your family wasn't prepared. Um, So that's the first thing. And for those who are okay with facing death and planning, they still have that procrastination sometimes because they would rather, you know, just handle it later. Um, And it's hard because it's not just about making your own plans in silo, creating a will and allocating your assets. You have to talk to the people it affects too. Right. 
and and you may not be prepared to have those conversations, but I think they're important because if I don't know where your will is, mm-hmm. I can't say it exists. Right. So therefore, I'm in a position as though you didn't have one. So when I work with people, even though I'm not an estate attorney, I do advise and I give referrals to estate attorneys. And I say, when you meet with them, write the will, have a copy, put it in a safe place share it with the executor of the estate. So the executor of the estate is the person that you nominate to handle your affairs once you're gone. Right. You should not make that decision lightly. It should be someone you trust, someone you think will be responsible and someone who you believe will honor your wishes. And that is sometimes not your family member. It could be a friend, but tell that person, no one should ever be surprised that they are the executor of your estate. Mm-hmm. And they should know before you die exactly what you want. Right. Um, because then they can truly honor you once you're gone. And give them the documents, not, not the originals, copies. Mm-hmm. Keep the originals in a safe place. But give them the documents so that they know what they say. So if anyone, say you remarry and that person wants everything and they have this opinion about what sh- this should be. You can say to them, no, actually, we talked about this. I have documentation to support this. And this is what it says. And I also think, and this was helpful. So my grandfather passed a few years ago. And about 10 years before he passed, this is how forward thinking he was. When he was of sound body and mind, he gave me copies of everything he left for me. Mm. And said, hold on to this baby girl, just in case you need it. And I was in college. I didn't really know, like, what's going on. You're healthy. You're strong. Like, you're going to be fine, Grandpa, you know. But I said, okay, 10 years. I moved. I lived overseas. I came back to the U.S. 10 years later, he passed. And do you know, in the last three years of his life, he had dementia Mm -hmm. and couldn't really talk about more than the weather with me. And had he waited until he died, one, he wouldn't have remembered to tell me about any of this stuff. Right. But he wouldn't have been in the sound body of mind to discuss it. But because he did it 10 years in advance, when he passed, I was sad and affected. But when my aunt was going through the process of settling the estate, I could help her. Right. Because I said, Auntie, you don't have to worry about these things. And I shared them with her. Because grandpa gave it to me. I know who to contact. I know how to claim it. Mm. So take that off your plate. I'm glad he did that. I am too. Yeah, I'm glad he really did that. And, and he showed me the importance of leaving, leaving a legacy. So he taught me a valuable lesson as a young adult why this matters and how to do it. Was that before, so when my, was that before go you got into this world? Did, were, um, were you already kind of getting into this world or... Yeah, like, yeah, I would say, yeah, it wasn't as bad then as it is now, mm-hmm. as far as society and what's what's going on. But oh no, what I mean is, are... what I mean is, I'm sorry, him him teaching you about leaving a legacy. Mm-hmm. Did that happen before you started Purpose of Money? Yes. Okay. Yes. And did that inspire yes. this, or did it's this... a part of my story? Okay. It wasn't the exact thing that inspired me, but it definitely is a part of my story. Gotcha. And I think that it taught me. You know, when my kids are the right age, this is how you explain to them what you're leaving them. Gotcha. 
because my husband and I know we are in a better position than our parents were. So we will have something to leave our children and we want them to maintain that wealth responsibly when we're gone. And so we're going to have to talk to them, not just once, probably several conversations about how to handle this and what to do with it, you know? Um, And my grandfather, what he left me, one of the investments gives to me every year, every February, I get a check that's deposited into my account of the portion of the uh, individual retirement account that he left me Mm. for the rest of my life. Mm. This is stuff that we as a people don't talk about enough. We don't even know we can leave. When I explained that in one of my talks, someone was like, wait, you can do that? I said, of course you can do that. People have been doing that for years. So my grandfather is gone and he still gives to me. Yeah. That question that you got during one of your talks, I think that is maybe one of the, the, the biggest problems within our culture is we don't know that we can pass on good things. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it doesn't have to just be, you know, negative things. We can really pass on <laughs> wealth. We can really pass on wisdom. Mm-hmm. I, I remember speaking with someone and they said, well, the only thing I ever received, I didn't receive money, but I received uh, a blueprint for how to uh, start a business. So it was just, it was a documentation of how to do it. Um, mm-hmm. And to me, Hey, I'll take the wisdom too. I mean, I want both, Yeah. You know, but uh, to me, wisdom and money can go hand in hand, but to, to walk around with just a money mindset and not a wisdom mm-hmm. mindset, that truly concerns me. And the information you're sharing today <laughs> is pure wisdom. Thank you. Yeah, I. this is stuff that I'm glad I experienced and I'm not keeping to myself. Yeah. I want to tell everyone, I want more people to read my blog, thepurposeofmoney.com, because of it. And I'm sharing personal stories because this is my story. This is what I can relate to. But I know that there are other people who have this happening to them as well. And they are inspired when they realize, like, I can create that legacy. I can be the first to create that legacy. Um, And you're right, because some people I came from a my mom was a single parent. My dad was in the military and they were divorced, but he was traveling and I saw times where she struggled financially, but I also feel like that taught me a lesson, too. Right. It showed me exactly what I don't want to do. Right. At any point, if I can help it. And this is how I can potentially avoid it or at least be stronger for it. My mom was a full time entrepreneur most of my life. So she had times where the money was flowing and then she had times where it wasn't so much. Right. But she was able to still with difficulty, eventually pay all the bills. Right. Right. So I still understood the importance of being fiscally responsible, keeping your books, the life of an entrepreneur. You know, these are things that I feel like people need to witness or at least hear um, so they can make uh, better decisions for themselves. And I, and I agree, if you don't have wealth, you, you still have wisdom. Yeah. And you can pass that on too. And, you know, just, just to give the listeners a uh, little background i remember uh coming back on twitter about six months ago and i could i had got off twitter i just i had stopped you know dealing with social media altogether but i came back on uh social media and i saw everybody was talking about uh wealth and entrepreneurship and all this great stuff 
And then down my timeline comes your face and it says, <laughs> <laughs> it says purpose of money. And something about it said, okay, well, let me see what's going on. So I click on your profile. I, I uh, click on uh, the link and I start reading the information you have. And I said, this is wisdom. And, and so for me, when I see people, you know, in, in real life, social media, and I see people that only want to talk about, well, let's go get the bag and let's go secure the bag. And let's go get the money. But what's the purpose? Like, what is what is the reason for us doing it? Because for me, it has to be more than economics. I'm a, I'm a guy right. that comes from the school of studying, studying poweronomics and trying to understand the five pillars of community building. And so if you are talking just economics to me, it's a huge turnoff mm-hmm. because that reminds me of some other people that uh, that we've dealt with in the past. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to deal. I don't want to deal with the same people that just happen to now have black skin, right? And right. so, as, yeah. as I'm reading your uh, blog, as I'm reading over your information, and then of course I follow you uh, on Twitter and then Instagram. I'm like, man, this is a lot of wisdom. The world has to hear it. And then of course we talked <laughs> and we 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 chopped it up. And so I'm glad yeah. that we had an opportunity today to to speak. And I just want to say, thank I you. am too. Thank you. And I, you know, I have to just put a plug out there that DJ, you are phenomenal in how you're taking responsibility Mm. to empower and inspire the ones you do come across where you see potential. Because, you know, I have to be honest, the first time you reached out to have a personal conversation, Mm -hmm. I had to ask myself, is this genuinely business or is this something else? Mm -hmm. Because... You get them on Instagram, a lot of people who want to connect for other reasons. Right. But I took, I, you know, I took it upon myself to say, well, reach out and see where this goes. Right. And the first conversation, you gave me wisdom to help me better manage some of the workload that I was dealing with, you know, recommending how can I find a virtual assistant and mm-hmm. what else I could be doing to make my systems work better. And I was so impressed by that first conversation because I was like, you didn't ask me to pay you for anything. You didn't try to lead up into a, now this is what I offer. And so I was just kind of like, this is so dope. Like someone who is genuinely motivated to help empower his people. And so kudos to you for that. Because wow. you're getting the word out in podcasts. You're inspiring other entrepreneurs to keep going when it's hard. And I appreciate that. Well, thank you. I, I, I appreciate you saying that. Um, so let's turn the tables. Okay. Um, I've been asking you all these questions for the last hour or so. <laughs> Uh, do you have any questions or topics or thoughts that you want to uh, ask me or just to, to discuss that you want to get off your chest? So I have to admit, you're always engaging on Twitter and Instagram oh and you're so involved, right? <laughs> oh so boy. when do you take downtime? How do you chill? Wow, that's a great question. <laughs> I'm, all, I'm a researcher by, by nature. Um, I'm always researching and finding things and I really don't post anything on Twitter or Instagram unless I've done endless research on it. And so it's always funny when Mm -hmm. people, uh, want to debate, there's really, uh, by the time it reaches Twitter, I've already debated (laughs) in my head. And so I don't have time to, uh, to go back and forth, but that's a great question. Um, I don't, I don't take a lot of downtime. 
and, and mm. that I, I feel I know I feel like we are at such a pivotal time in our culture and if we don't see the games that are going on out here and we let this stuff just fly through I, I don't know who's going to say it because I'm looking around and it's, I feel like a lot of people are opposite than you and I a lot of mm-hmm. people are mad at Jay-Z they're not speaking yeah, they they are positively instead of negative future. Exactly, they're they're mad at Jay Z. They won't watch when they see us. They won't look at Free Meek. Everything they were talking about, they're anti. And so it's like if if we don't put this out here, like these are opportunities for us to learn the wisdom. So mm-hmm. when do I when do I have downtime? Uh, between the hours of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Between the, whenever a sentence starts like that, you need a vacation. <laughs> between the hours of maybe one a.m. and five a.m. Oh no, you need a vacation. I know. I know. Where would you suggest? I, I, I had someone on uh, the podcast uh, a few weeks you ago. You don't have a bucket list, so uh, I went to Aruba. See. I love Aruba. Oh yeah, my cousin got married there. I, I love it as well. But if you're if you like the islands, mm-hmm. you should do B and C, Bonaire and uh, Curacao. I went to Curacao two years ago. Loved it. Yeah, we went it's there. Small, you can travel all over. Um, but let me think. I've been to thirty-five countries. Wow. Um, was my that, favorite. Was that mostly military, or was that for? No, no, oh. I wasn't in the military. My dad was, right. but I didn't travel with okay. him. But I, I am a. U.S. diplomat, um, and but I've only actually worked in three countries: uh, Haiti, uh, Dubai, United Arab Emirates, and Ecuador. Dope. But from Dubai, I went to so many places. I visited a lot of places from there. And one, what are my top favorites? So my top of all time is Spain. Wow. Because that's where I went for the first time in seventh grade with my own passport Dope. and a group of other students from my I'm school. About to say, I and that's you didn't go by yourself. No, okay. no, I went with a group, and that's what inspired me to become a diplomat, actually. And then um, can you teach me I how to also... be a diplomat? What is a diplomat? Yeah, so a U.S. diplomat is someone who um, helps support foreign policy and issues Ooh. at our embassies overseas. Ooh, I like this. As well as uh, in the U.S., we have most of our headquarter buildings are in Washington, D.C., but we have some other buildings throughout the U.S. in New York, Florida and throughout um, really just trying to help protect Americans. That's our number one mission overseas is to protect Americans and American interests in other countries. Uh, but we also are there to promote business engagement, to it. promote uh, logistics and and just good diplomatic relationships so that we create more friends than we do folks mm. and really focusing on how can diplomacy be the best alternative to war i love it so that's what i do nine to five most days um but my passion for that um has been there for a while since i was young i wanted to pursue something like this but i didn't know what it was called Mm-hmm. And then I got to college and I found out, wait, you don't have to know the president. You don't have to donate to campaigns like you could just take a test. Mm. You can, you know, you can be a part of uh, the government's passion to help build better relationships. And so I actually received a scholarship that helped pay for grad school and undergrad and then led to a career in the foreign service. That's so cool. I'm a huge person for find the free money, which that's what I was doing when I found that opportunity and try to get your education paid for by somebody else. You and I got to talk <laughs> offline. You, you okay. we got to be best friends. You got all the plugs. Okay. 
Okay, so <laughs> I can definitely help with that. <laughs> so Spain was on top of your list. What else? Uh, I also really like South Africa, okay. Seychelles, okay, and Thailand was fun. So try really any of those places. Thailand. I'm hearing yeah, good stuff about Thailand and Singapore is another one I've been hearing a lot about. Yes, Singapore is on my list, but it's so expensive and it takes so long to get to. Mm. But um, let's talk later. I'm going to a couple of places later in the year. Uh, Thailand, back to Thailand being one of them, okay. but to different cities. So I can tell you what I think more after I've gone. I'm also going to check out Malaysia and that's it for now. Okay. I might pull yeah. up on you in Thailand. I mean, you talk about part later. I might <laughs> let's right, meet. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Meet you there. <laughs> it, might, it might happen, but yeah, that, that's dope. And you know, I am going to take more time. And what you'll notice, at least once every quarter, um, I'll just disappear for a week or so and and just take some time away. Uh, you should. I, I have to. I have to. You and should. I, and I you know what? Mm-hmm. The cause will keep going, and the world will keep turning. Yes. So why not take time? Right. I agree. I agree. <laughs> Uh, so that's a great question. A- any other questions? Are, are we no, good? that's good for okay. me. Yeah, we're good. Good. Awesome. I'm going to hold you to it. I'm your accountability partner. You are. So I better hear about some kind of vacation in I'm the near future. I will, okay. I will send you the information and let you know and send you a postcard. Oh, I love it. I appreciate Dope. that. Dope. Thank you for being on Black Equity. Let everybody know uh, what is your website, your social media? How do people find you and be part of your, your network and your community? Great. So if you want to check out my blog or sign up for my newsletters, check out thepurposeofmoney.com. I'm also on Instagram at thepurposeofmoney and on Twitter at purpose underscore money. So check it out. I do tips, tricks, how to save, how to invest, how to build wealth. And then also just regular stuff that families and women should want to kind of think about, including business tips if you're interested in becoming an entrepreneur. Awesome. Once again, thank you for coming on Black Equity. You have an open door to come back if anything's happening in the culture that involves money, which is really everything. Um, yeah. Come back on. <laughs> I let's, love let's it. Talk about it. Yes, let's. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks. Have a good one. All right. Bye. Bye bye. I told you it's going to be a great episode. If you haven't done so already, head over to thepurposeofmoney.com and uh, soak up more games. Sign up to be on Aquania's email list. Catch all the really great jewels and keep building up your legacy so you can pass it on the right way. But I think also it's good to pay attention to what's going on in the culture. I don't know why people are telling you to not pay attention to what's going on in the culture. Don't pay attention to policy and politics. Don't pay attention to this. Don't pay attention to that. You know, only focus on what you have going on in your world. That is good advice to some extent, but there's so much wisdom uh, that these other great entrepreneurs and investors will provide to you in their projects. It's like they don't want you to pay attention to everybody else's projects, but they want you to pay attention to theirs. So it makes no sense. Pay attention to what's going on and what the culture uh, brings you because there is wisdom in it all. Once again, sign up to be a Black Equity Insider and you can catch uh, more in-depth conversations like these right in your email box. The description uh, link is in there. The link is in the description. Head over there right now. I don't know what you're waiting for. Uh, 
be back tomorrow for another great episode. Thank you for listening to Black Equity.